Hello, everyone, and welcome to the third in our series of light sensitivity awareness podcasts. My name is Rodney Mountain, and I'm here today with Professor Sally Ibbotson and with Shannon Nickel, the parent of one of the patients at the service. We're recording from the Scottish Photobiology Service in the unit in Ninewells Hospital, and we're here today to discuss light sensitivity. This series of podcasts is a part of the ongoing patient engagement work that our service is involved in. We're trying to raise awareness of light sensitivity conditions in order to reduce the time that it takes for patients to be referred to our services and also to improve the lives of our patients. So do you mind if we just start with a few introductions? Shannon, would you mind just introducing yourself and your daughter and sure. why you're here? Yeah, so I'm Shannon and I'm the parent of Aria. I mean, she currently suffers from polymorphic light eruption. So yeah, I'm just here to chat about that, I guess. Thanks very much. And we'll obviously get into things in a lot more depth yeah. and how this actually affects you and your daughter in day-to-day -day life. But we'll move across to Sally just as a quick introduction. Yes, I'm uh, Sally Ibbotson. I'm the lead for the Scottish Photobiology Service here, which is based here in Dundee. But it's the service that is offered Scotland-wide to all patients throughout Scotland for investigating and treating patients with light sensitivity diseases, including the very important cohort of patients who are children who present with abnormal light sensitivity. You know, I know very little about these conditions, so it'd be lovely to hear from you a little bit more in detail about what these conditions actually are. Yeah, well, so the service here has been here for 50 years. In fact, it's our 50-year anniversary this year. And it's in recognition of the fact that many people in Scotland and worldwide, in fact, suffer from abnormal reactions to sunlight. And there are a very widely ranging group of diseases, ranging from the very common disease, polymorphic light eruption, which Aria has. So this is actually present in a fifth of the population in Scotland. So 20% of people living in Scotland will have polymorphic light eruption. And probably that is even a bit of an underestimate because many people will think it's just an odd sunburn or a reaction yeah. to a sunscreen. Mm. And it typically presents in young adult females. So, you know, the typical age to get it was a female in their 20s. But having said that, a fifth of patients with polymorphic light eruption will develop it as children mm. and often even right down to babyhood. And there it's important to recognise it and make an accurate diagnosis because there are also a range of other light sensitivity diseases that can present in childhood, some of which have more serious implications. So it's very important that young children in particular are assessed to make sure that that is the correct diagnosis. As I say, there's a range of lots of different sorts of light sensitivity conditions, but the condition polymorphic light eruption that we're talking about today, we think represents a sort of slightly heightened immune reactivity of the skin when it's exposed to sunlight. So all of us have immune systems in our skin and the normal reaction of our immune systems when they're exposed to sunlight is that the immune systems damp down in the skin. And in polymorphic light eruption, it seems it's damped down to a lesser degree. So what happens then is the sun reacts with a chemical or protein, something that we don't actually know exactly what it is, but causes this raised up lumpy rash and reaction. And in children, it typically presents and involves the face, whereas yeah. actually in adults, it more often involves other sun exposed sites, such as the arms or the trunk or bits that are not exposed 
every day. So it's a condition where, particularly as people grow older, they can harden. So they'll often be really, you know, much worse in the spring, early spring and early summer in this part of the world. And then as the summer progresses, they may be able to harden up and toughen up. And that's probably why children have it more on the face than adults with the same condition, because children haven't been able to harden to the same extent. We do sometimes find that people will often ask the question, because I've got abnormal light sensitivity or polymorphic light eruption, does this mean that I'm more likely to get skin cancer when I'm older? But there's actually been some studies done that show even allowing for the fact that, you know, you're more likely to be keeping out of the sun. But even if you allow for that variable, it seems that because the immune system is a bit more switched on in polymorphic light eruption, actually your lifetime risk of, say, skin cancer is probably less than somebody who That's doesn't, doesn't yeah. have polymorphic light eruption. We only investigate the tip of the iceberg of people with polymorphic light eruption. Obviously, a condition that affects a fifth of the population, we couldn't possibly investigate and test and it wouldn't be necessary in most people. So we will do the investigations when, for example, there's doubt about what the diagnosis is or people have got very severe disease or as in you know Aria's case she presented at a very young tiny wee age and there it's important you know to rule other conditions, other conditions in or out. Yeah, yeah. We have a range of different light testing things we can do as you know Shannon from Aria's case we also did sunscreen allergy testing as part of mm -hmm. her workup because she has some allergy to some of the sunscreens and often in people with light sensitivity conditions, because they're big sunscreen users, they can also get allergic to their own sunscreen. So that's another part of the testing that we did in Aria's case. Yeah. I felt terrible putting her through that test then as a parent, I felt like, because she was just so wee and watching her get the big machines and stuff. And then obviously the skin test and patches, I just did it. I felt horrible putting her through it, but at least now I know. Yes. Yeah. What's causing her reaction. No, exactly. Stuff, so. Yeah. And I think you highlight an important point there because actually that's often something else that we're asked, can you test in babies or young children, tinies? And I would say it's the wriggle factor that determines how much testing yeah. you can do not. So actually most children and babies, we can do yes. some testing on. The testing we usually do on the back. And mm -hmm. so, you know, in an ideal world, you'd have a nice big adult back to do lots of allergy testing and light testing all at the same yeah. time. So if you're faced with a tiny two-year-old, then the testing you can do is much more limited, but we can usually do enough testing to get the answers that we need and to rule things out or rule things yeah. in. Sometimes it's almost easier to test a tiny two, three-year-old than it is to do an eight-year-old if they're wriggling around. Yeah. So it depends a bit on whether they're able to sit still. And the setup we have here, we have DVDs and mm -hmm. they can be entertained and I yeah. love that. She sat yeah. still and yeah, exactly. so it was a few hours over here. Exactly, she sat, exactly. No bother. She enjoy, enjoyed it in the films as well. I can't yeah. even remember what she watched. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah, no, it was. It was good. So we do aim to make it not at all an intimidating process. Yeah, no, it wasn't. I, I was just worried. Like I just worry about everything. But, yeah, and yeah. occasionally we do ask for a blood test and things, but I don't think in Aria's case we no, we no, ended no. up doing that because there wasn't the need. We no. knew what the diagnosis no. was anyway, but. The actual light testing side of things for anyone referred to, it isn't a scary thing. We hope to explain it as well as we can to parents and mums and maids before yeah, no. you come. But also it's for adults, it's slightly boring. Mm -hmm. For children, it can maybe be slightly, oh, what am I doing having to sit still for all this time? So we do yeah. try and minimise that. Yeah, no, that was good. Yeah, no, it was. It was DVDs and things. Yeah. She was totally fine with it. I think she found it fascinating that she got all that done to her and everybody were like all attention was on her so <laughs> fab and yeah, she did she get her certificate and badge at the end yeah she said yeah she was really happy with that yeah she loved that i don't know where she's put it now so, but 
And Sheldon, just going back, when were you first aware that there's maybe something was wrong, that it wasn't right? And then the journey you've been on from being a worried parent to... Two, two and a half. I just noticed that she was sitting in her pram and with a hood over, she would still, I would take her out. She wouldn't be out long, maybe 10, 15 minutes at a push and she'd be all like swollen and red in the face. And I'm like, that's not right. So then we put sun cream on her, but then it would get worse. And obviously it took a wee while and we did think it was maybe just a fluke like virals and things like that. But then it kept happening and happening. And then I was noticing the sun myself and I was noticing when it was happening and when it was certain temperatures. And then I was noticing, I think it was my mum that noticed putting the sun cream on her made it worse. And then obviously I was went to the doctor about all that. And it did take time for the doctors to sort of not realise that it wasn't just a viral, it wasn't just something else, it, it wasn't just sunburn. It took them a wee while to come around and I did have to keep pushing at it to eventually be like, no, something isn't right. But yeah, no, she was about two and a half. Maybe I just started noticing. And then what was the next sort of step, you know, in that process? If you were worried, you went to your doctor. Personally, I kept trying different sun creams and mm-hmm. different hats and made sure they were SPF. I made sure our, like her whole body, because she would sometimes get it on her torso and it did look like a viral, but I was like, it can't be. Like, she only had it maybe a week before and she's got it again. It can't be a viral. It kept continuously happening. So I tried different sun creams. None of them worked. She was just reacting more. Um, but obviously now we found out that she's allergic to certain ingredients. Mm-hmm. But yeah, no, eventually I just, it took about, I think, maybe a year and a half before she eventually got sent here. So she got a referral to the service here. Yeah. Going through that service, how did it all work? It was really easy and quick. Once I put my foot down, essentially, I was like, no, someone's all right. My doctor was like, right, okay, we'll refer her up. And it was done within a couple of weeks and she was already up here getting tested and getting the big machines and stuff. And it was scary because I was learning about what all these machines did. I didn't have a clue about SPF or UV or UVB. I didn't have a clue. So it was daunting for me. And I was worried about her being so small and these big machines on her little body Mm -hmm. and but then with me, I was worried about, is this going to do an entire in the long term, getting these machines, these rays on her skin and her back? And, and I was assured that, like, it's totally fine. Like, it's okay. Like, she'll be fine. And sure, obviously, she is fine. But in that moment, it was just pure worry. And I had nobody that I could turn to either to sort of get support from because a lot of people are just like, oh, it's just sunburn. I'll go away. It's fine. But it wasn't. You know someone's not right as a I love his intuition. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Once the diagnosis was made, what followed on thereafter? Obviously, she's been growing up and going through nursery and she's in primary Primary now. Yeah. So once we got the diagnosis in, I then went out and tried to find things by myself of more information on it because there isn't much about it. And obviously, what Aria being allergic to sun cream, I had to then go out and try and find sun cream that's suitable for her, that's totally organic, nothing in it. And that took months for me to find. Which one are you using now? The Badger. Badger sun cream, it's just, it's mainly like beeswax and it smells like Terry's chocolate orange, so she does enjoy putting it on. Oh, that's good. <laughs> so, but I think it's only SPF 30, but that's the highest I could find that's yeah. not got anything else in it that will make our skin worse. So, yeah, that seems to be working. And then obviously, I use the, she has the wide brim hats, sort of like the fisherman hats mm, with the back yeah, yeah. end. Mm. She has them, and then she's got some clothing that is SPF protected. But then I'll also do the technique where you hold it up to the window and make sure that it's not shining through. And material, if it's going to be a thinner top, or I check all that. And then say like if we're going on days out, I have to make sure that I'm going to know where there's shade. I'm going to know where she can get sort of a break from the sun. I was going to ask just how it impacts your life, you know, your things you do. Well, before I was driving, I I went and done my driving 
last year so that because I knew having a car would protect her more because I remember there'd be times over the years where we would be stuck at a bus stop and the bus didn't come and it's scorching and that would be pure panic for me because then I'm worried about her skin and I can't get her shaded very well in a bus stop and by this point she was out of a pram so she didn't have the shading from the pram either so I did my lessons and stuff and now we do have the car and it has made life a bit easier for them that's probably maybe why she's not reacting so much but when out and about, I just have to make sure that there's somewhere I can go and she's going to get shaded. And I know that, so say like with me and my friends or Aria's friends are going to camper down. I'll have to say to them, she can only maybe go, depending on the temperature, UV that day, she can maybe only go for half an hour and then we need to leave. So with things like that, that's when I notice that whereas their children can stay for a good few hours, whereas Aria can't. And Aria's also at the stage as well where she will wear her sun cream, but she's noticing that she's the only one in our class who has to wear it when it's not even that hot outside. So it's just little things like that. But our nursery, when I first got diagnosed, our nursery were brilliant. They put our sun cream on whenever she was out. And because of COVID, her nursery was outside most of the day. But they did obviously make allowances for Aria to go inside if needed. Mm-hmm. And then when that sort of lifted, she was able to just go in and out, but limited. And then they ended up building our sort of like... Um, gazebo type thing yeah kind of but sort of just like they made it themselves yeah. and there were lots of big trees where they made a den inside so that she got more shelter that way so she could still be outside great nursery friends. yeah yeah no, it's a brilliant nursery and then obviously going to school now we're kind of just seeing how that's going when mm-hmm. the, they've got the spf window i'm not entirely sure what they've got window film on the windows yeah mm-hmm. so they've got that on and then they do have two days a week where she's going to be outside but so far they're going to adjust that for Aria and she'll only maybe do 20 minutes here and there. So I usually do 20 minutes in the morning and 20 minutes in the afternoon if it's sort of over 12 is what I go with. Mm-hmm. So I mean, just do it like that but if she's going to be out longer than that then I make sure that they know that she needs to be in shade for a wee yeah. while yeah. and covered in sun cream. If there's any skin showing, cover it. Yeah. Make sure her hat's on and make sure her skin's covered if she's got like a long sleeve like because obviously kids you know they like they'll whip things off yeah. and you mentioned that the primary school are also going to continue to help put the sunscreens on. Yeah, they're going to continue yeah. to help because I was worried about that, the fact that she's only five. She can't put it on, she yeah. put it on a wee bit, but it's like, mm. you know what kids are like, so yeah. they're going to help her put it on. And with COVID and stuff, I wasn't sure if they were going to do it, but they are, they're happy to do it further, so which is obviously a relief for yeah, me. Yeah, that sounds super. That yeah. sounds great because we have had that where we've had nursery. I think the nursery schools are very equipped to put yeah. sunscreens mm-hmm. on, but yeah. we have had... In the past, people coming and saying, oh, you know, my child went up to primary school and then they weren't helped to put their sunscreen on. So that sounds really good, actually. Yeah. Because And is there any area of shade in the playground and things? Or Yeah, they've sort of got, I don't know, it's like a roofing thing. It's like a roof and then it's got, mm-hmm. I don't know, poles coming down from it. Okay, it kind yeah. of goes around yeah. the middle of her yeah. playground bit. But behind her bit where she's got like their own sort of garden mm. away from the school, yeah. Yeah. there's nothing there yet to sort of help her if she's going to be outside. So that's how I'm just, I've said some 20 minutes just now yes. and then bring her in and then that's yeah. it. Which I was, was going to ask, what is the time frame where you notice a problem starts developing? It depends on the heat of the day. So once it's over 12 and maybe goes to like between 12 and 16, I'll maybe give her half an hour at most, but with sun cream on and a hat on. Anything over that, then I start just knocking it down and just taking it from there. So when you say 12 and 16... Celsius, the yeah. temperature, yeah. Okay, yeah. and then it depends on the UV as well. I'll look at that too. Mm-hmm. I'm still learning too, so at the same time, I'm sort of testing her time-wise. Yeah. So I'll give her 15 minutes and I'll bring her back in and then mm-hmm. I'll just see how she feels because she's now started saying to me that mum, it's nipping my skin. I can feel it hurting my skin. Mm-hmm. 
And does she get those symptoms straight away then, or is it a bit later that day? No, sometimes I'll either be that night or uh-huh. a few days later. Yeah. All oh, right. I didn't realise that there can be that lag. Yeah, and, yeah it's not yeah. instant. Like yeah. sometimes you'll see it here. Uh-huh. You'll see it. I could see it starting. Mm-hmm. And you mentioned that you said it looked viral. Can you tell us a bit about what that actually looked like to you? Just like your normal, say like, it wasn't full bone coverage, but mm-hmm. like just a normal sort mm-hmm. of rash you would get if you did have a viral. It just looked very similar to that. Was it um, like a spotty rash or? Yeah. Yeah, it was just like single ones. And any like... fluid in it or? No, no, mm-hmm. no. And how long when that's triggered, how long will it take to disappear? Um, maybe about a week. Okay. A week. I think it varies on how badly she got it. So in the beginning, before all the testing, it was last a good while. Mm-hmm. Whereas now I think because I'm more aware of how to protect it and know to keep her out of it and not mm. put her back in the sun or just anything like that, then I don't know if it's helped reduce it. But there's also been things I remember reading online that tomatoes can make you sort of more sensitive to the sun. I don't know whether or not that's true, but I started cutting down on them with her because she loves tomatoes. Anything tomatoes, she'll eat it. So I started pulling back on that. So I don't know if that's... The wee bit of evidence that... tomatoes might actually protect you a bit. Oh, OK, well, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's just little things that I was just yeah, yeah. trying. I've read myself yeah. and I'm just trying to yeah. figure it all yeah. out. And Does it leave any scars or marks or does it just fade away? She has had scarring. She's mm-hmm. had scarring on her cheek and she's got one or two on her arm scarring. But that's from her then picking it. Okay. It's not so much like if she left it alone, it probably wouldn't have. But she goes back and picks it. And is it itchy? Sometimes, not all the time. For all I know, it could be itchy, and she's just not told me that it's mm-hmm. itchy, mm-hmm. Um, especially when she was younger. So, touch wood, she's not had it this year so, so far. she's not had it at all this year. No. That's great. What month will she get it up until? And does she become less sensitive as the summer wears on? Or um, Yeah, I think so. So, I noticed it like years ago, it would start about April, March, April time, and it would be ending over 12. That's how I always stick to 12 now, because that mm-hmm. was obviously mm-hmm. the lowest it triggered mm-hmm. for her. Yeah. So I stick to that, 12 mm. Celsius, and then it's usually about maybe now, August, September time, nothing. Like, she seems to be okay. Yeah. And obviously before all this, I didn't even know snow could cause it too. I never knew that either. So obviously winter last year, she was fine. Uh-huh. She was okay. Mm-hmm. So I guess hopefully this year in the winter. New things that you learn, I didn't <laughs> think of snow being sort of the reflection. And you mentioned about the sunscreen. It's probably just worth the mention there. So you're actually far better to use an SPF 30 that you like and she likes and you'll therefore put on properly mm-hmm. than us saying go away and use this factor 50 if it's There's claggy and you don't like it and she doesn't like it yeah. then you won't use it properly. But it is just not so much for the polymorphic light eruption but just for sunscreen protection against sunburn mm-hmm. in general that people will often think there's such a thing as a sunblock but there yeah. is no such thing mm-hmm. as a sun block. If you want real sun protection, the best things are shade and hats and clothing. Yeah. And then your sunscreen on the bits you can't cover. Mm-hmm. But actually for any given sunscreen, that number on the bottle, so say a factor 60, in reality, divide the number by three or four. So your factor 60 will probably be about a factor 20 protection mm-hmm. in reality. Because there have actually been several studies done that have shown that nobody can actually use sunscreens to the level that yeah. they were used in the trials to when get tested. the testing yeah. done yeah. for the factors and that actually there was some research studies done where people have gone off to Tenerife and checked how we all use them and things and we use them about a third to a quarter of the amount to get yeah. the real level of protection. Thing is, well, you have to obviously consistently keep putting it on, yeah. you can't yeah. just put it on 
in the morning, like when I was younger, my mum would just put it on us in the morning and maybe later on. Mm-hmm. But with Aria, depending on the day, or the heat, or the UV, it need to be consistently keep getting put on. Yeah. yeah. I think every hour I've done it, I've yeah. always put it on it. And if she's been in the pool or anything like that, she's straight yeah. back out yeah. and it's back on it. Back on it. Yeah. Yeah. And sunscreens are so much better these days. There is a sunscreen out there for everyone, really, that will like the consistency in the formulation, yeah. etc. But I think in Aria's case, because so she did have these reactions to the sunscreens mm-hmm. on the testing. So I think one of the chemicals was something called octocrylene, wasn't it? Yeah, ethyl hexyl. Yeah. And, sort of and so octocrylene is the commonest sunscreen allergen in children, actually. But it is actually present in lots of sunscreens. So if you pick up a sunscreen off the shelf from mm-hmm. Boots or something, mm-hmm. actually yeah. there's probably five or six sunscreen chemicals there's in that sunscreen. There's none in the shops. I went even yeah. online, right. they all had it in it. Yeah. That's how it took me a good wee while to find the Badger one when there's in yeah. it. But I also noticed the octocrylene, ethyl hexyl, and there's another name for it as well. They're not just in sun cream. No. They're yeah. in hand soaps, in shampoo, mm-hmm. facial moisturisers, makeup. I had to change yeah. my makeup because obviously she would touch my yeah. face and then she'd get itchy yeah. and it's yeah. in a lot. Yeah, because sunscreen chemicals are often things like, you know, your shower gel on a bathroom shelf. Yeah. So they're in those products to stop the product degrading from sunlight when left on the bathroom shelf sort of thing. So- I learned so much <laughs> from these sessions. <laughs> so sunscreen allergy is a bit of a minefield and you do have to have to feel like you're in sort of CSI doing a bit of detective I always work. say to people, like, I feel like I need to be a scientist. I sort of understand all of this. And I mean, still now I don't understand a lot of it, but I'm still learning every day yeah. what I'm and the other thing to be aware of with sunscreens, I mean, it can, as I say, if you go into Boots or Superdrug or a, a supermarket, you'll see shelves and shelves of sunscreens. Mm. Which one do you choose? But the other thing is that actually, if you choose one formulation of something, then by the following year, it can have subtly changed again. So it's always yeah. worth just double checking yeah, on the ingredients. That, yeah. The good thing is they all do have their ingredients. They have to say what's in them. Well, you've been on quite a journey. What's it been like for her? You know, how she... Um, coping with it she copes okay with it there has been times where i was worried it would affect her mental health or anything like that and i noticed that she used to get left out a lot of things and that was quite upsetting so her nursery were brilliant but obviously there was times where aria couldn't participate and that really really upset aria but it was just things like that or for example when i mentioned if we go to the park with friends we have to leave like we Mm -hmm. can't stay there all day with them it's things like that that when she's like no 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 and she gets so upset about it or if our friends point out, like, why have you got sun cream on? We don't need it. But other than that, she does do brilliant. I think she's more she... resilient than what mm-hmm. you... Like, you give them credit for, do you know what I mean? Like, they are... They just have their moments about it, I think. Mm-hmm. So. And has she got some nice pals that... I think she's got one new one just now, because it's uh-huh. only been about two weeks of, since it's uh, The same so. group moved from nursery to the No, school. that is only one that's went to... Okay, so she's making new pals. She's completely mm-hmm. on her own there. So, yeah, she's away from all her friends that mm-hmm. were at nursery. I remember I would see them, they would run up to her like, why have you got sun cream on? And I'd just say, oh, it's, it's hot today, Aria just needs it. Um, yes, because children at that age are quite harsh, so they'll just say it yeah. as it is, won't they? Yeah. So. yeah, they can be. So it's just wee things like that, I think, that affect her. And, but she's getting good. Like on the car, I've got SPF. Window film. Yeah, yeah. I've got them on the car. And ones that stick on, I've got them yeah. ones just mm-hmm. now. Mm-hmm. And if that falls off and I've not noticed, like she's quick mm-hmm. to say, mum, that's fell off, put it on um, if it's a really hot Aww. day. If it's raining, it's not too bad. She doesn't bother too much when it's raining. But yeah, she is good. Or mum, you forgot my hat. Or mum, my sun cream's not in my bag. Yesterday we were at our grand's and she went to go wash her hands. And I was speaking to my grand and I never thought to check. And I usually do. She's like, uh, nanny's soap, mum, you need to check it. So she's getting to the stage oh, where gosh, she's, yes, sort of, she's recognising that she can't use certain hand soaps yeah, and yeah. to check it first. Yeah. Uh, which I suppose is a good thing. Like, 
because there will be times where I've forgotten and Mm. she sort of shares good that yes I think the whole thing with children is isn't it it's trying to do the best that we possibly can to support them not being different in any way from your friends or not being seen Mm -hmm. in any way to stand out particularly as they get older and they go through primary school and things you know there's lots of well I don't want to wear that and you know children as they get older do want to just be like everybody else and not have to wear a sun hat or not have to I think as she gets a bit older I think that's maybe when it'll start maybe to affect her more when she does still have to wear these hats and I was going to ask and I'll probably ask Sally that question just Mm. the longer term journey that Ari's on Despite it being extremely common, the long-term studies are not really that well sorted out in terms of... She can grow up You can, yes, she can. So definitely at least a quarter of people it does resolve in, Mm -hmm. disappear. And most people, once they know what it is, do find they're much better able to cope with it and deal with it. It is a condition where... As you get older, most people can also do what we call harden. So mm-hmm. it is a condition where getting low-level exposure, below levels that will trigger your rash on yeah. a repeated basis, well, can protect you from getting it. 10 minutes, yeah. 20 Lots minutes at a time small, and back in. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. So we have had many patients who've had it quite badly in childhood who actually yeah. who've gone on and... Mm-hmm may still get a tendency to if they're caught out they may get a bit of rush but actually are able to deal with it so i think in the longer run the hope would be that she'll be able to harden and become yeah i think yeah she's fine in the winter time is she yeah there's nothing even like before she was diagnosed it was Mm -hmm. winter time was okay Mm -hmm. it was only about summer months but i do think i think she will as she gets older i think with the hardening and things like that i think it will get a lot because there is a lot of I'm part of like Facebook groups and that, but it's mainly adults that are on it who suffer from it. And I've noticed that obviously Ari is lucky in the sense she's nowhere near as sensitive or mm-hmm. as bad as what others are. So we are quite fortunate in that mm-hmm. sense mm-hmm. because some of the things that I've seen online and it's quite sad. Like I've seen people covered head to toe and if they go outside the half day, it doesn't matter the temperature, it yeah. doesn't matter the UV and it's... Yeah. It must be quite hard. Yeah, and I think you're doing absolutely the right thing because we really don't want you to completely keep her out of this. No. We want her to live as normal life as possible. Yeah. And we want her actually, the worst thing to do is to completely stay out of it because then you're more likely then to get Then you get a big reaction. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And you mentioned about the window film and things. So just as a word on that, so normal window glass blocks UVB, basically, mm-hmm. the sunburny bit of the sun, but it lets through UVA. Yeah. And in the car, for example, the laminate in the windscreen Mm -hmm. blocks all UV, but the side windows will let through UVA. And UVA are wavelengths of light that can quite readily trigger polymorphic light eruption. And so if you have a particular problem in a car, so say, for example, you're an adult and you drive for your living and things and you're caught out all the time, there is window film that can be put onto the side windows of the car or can be fitted in the home which actually it's legal for driving because it doesn't obscure you know, visibility at all. In fact, it's on this window here, it's fitted. I asked and that about that and it can be quite expensive to yes. be done on cars. So that is like, it is for some people, it won't be an option mm. for them. Yeah. Because even I remember before I was working, even the price of sun cream I know. Yeah. is very, very dear. So for someone who may be in a similar situation to me, who may not be able to afford to pay yeah. £30 a bottle, and the bottle doesn't last long, yeah. well, especially if she needs it on all the time. Like the pricing of things can be really bad. So yes. then parents can then be stuck in a catch-22, whereas they yeah. can't afford to get the mm. child specifically what they need done. No, you bring up a very important point. So at present in Scotland, 
if you have a light sensitivity condition diagnosed, you are entitled to sunscreens on prescription, but there is essentially at the moment really only one sunscreen yeah, that you was, can yeah. actually get on prescription. And the availability of that in recent years, the availability of it seems to come in and out of being able to get it on prescription. So it is a challenge. The window film, unfortunately, is not available on prescription and yeah. does have to be purchased and fitted and it might cost between a sort of 100 to 200 pounds oh, right. to get your side windows yeah. and things done on your car depending on where you get it done most people with light sensitivity won't need the window film yeah. they would only sort of suggest that if there was a particular mm. instance where say people did say well I have trouble in the car or have trouble at home and you know that they've got uva sensitivity for example yeah Ari's testing was normal wasn't it when she came with the light testing that yeah i think did. yeah i think that was normal and yeah. So in polymorphic light eruption, actually two thirds of people, the actual light testing on the back to the individual wavelengths of light is normal. Only a third will have a bit of abnormality and sensitivity on the testing. And we do sometimes try, we wouldn't have done it in Ari because she's a bit too young, but sometimes in adults we'll try and provoke the rash with a bit of UVA light. But again, we'll often not manage to do it. But actually, the diagnosis of polymorphic light eruption really is much more emphasis on the story. We can usually tell, OK, this is what it is from the story. And the yeah. testing yeah. is to rule other things out more. Yeah, That's been so interesting. Are there any other things we've missed from either side, from the clinical side or from how it affects you and Aria in day-to-day -day life? It's just the whole, it's obviously she can't be like a normal kid all the time. Like She just can't be out. All day, like obviously when we were younger, we'd be outside playing all day and then come home at, mm. at tea time. She can't just mm. do stuff like that. And like even in our garden, I've got the gazebos up and mm. things like that. I don't know, it is our sort of norm mm. for us. So yeah. it's, it's gotten to the point where it is normal for us. Yes. So it's not really, I don't know, I'm past the part of the struggle in the beginning of not knowing what to do, what sun cream, what yeah. clothing, what hats, and all the timings of things, where to go, where I can go with a shade. I'm past all that now, so but obviously for somebody starting out, it was stressful you for me. You could have planned your day quite yeah. carefully. Yeah, yeah, it was very stressful and I just felt like, I don't know if I've said it on other things and stuff, but there was no other parent I could turn yeah. to just to speak to and maybe get their advice. On the Zooms, I did get advice from other patients, mm -hmm. but as a parent, there was nobody that could sort of be like, oh yeah, it's the same with my V1, mm -hmm. or I tried this with my little one. Mm -hmm. That was the hard part. And then if I did speak to somebody who knew nothing about it, mm -hmm. they were just like, it's yeah. just sunburn. She's allergic to the sun. What? Yeah. Like, it's... You mentioned about normal there. So in lots of ways, I almost like to think of this condition as just being an exaggeration of, I don't mm -hmm. like to use the word normal or abnormal at all, but it's an exaggeration of skin responses to sunlight. So for you, Shannon, and for Aria going forward to think about her not being abnormal in inverted commas yeah. at all, but more to be in that because 20% of the population, that's one in five people. One yeah. in five of your pals will have this. It may be a lot milder than Aria does, but loads of people have it and think they never get as far as going to see their GP. They never get as far. And the other thing is what I do often say to youngsters with light sensitivity conditions, if you use your sun protection, then it also is protective against things like aging of the skin and things yeah. like that longer term. So, yeah. you know, there are benefits to sun protection well, is, yeah. well beyond just the light sensitivity. So I think going forward, trying to encourage her to think, actually, no, it's not a disease or it's more 
that I've just got a bit more of a reaction to sunlight than maybe yeah. some of my yeah. pals do, but yeah, yeah I mean, I, I have no idea the difference there. Yes, yeah. no, I didn't. Yeah, I didn't. No yeah. idea. I knew a few people had it, but well, to me, I'm the only one as a parent. Like, I don't yeah. know if there's any other groups out there for parents. I've had a look, but there's no. Well, you touch on an important point there, and it's something that you know because you've been involved with it. That we've started a few years back, just before the pandemic, actually. We've always sort of asked patients and parents for feedback on our service in terms of, you know, are you having to wait too long or what the service is like when you come and things. But actually, we realised with Rod's help <laughs> as well, that we're missing a trick in terms of trying to find out really, really what matters to patients mm -hmm. and to families mm -hmm. of patients yeah. with light sensitivity conditions. So we've set up a series of sort of patient engagement events first one was in person in the vna in 2019 and then because of the pandemic we switched as you know shannon to yeah. doing them virtually and it's to try and bring patients and their families together to talk about what really matters that to you yeah, and good. it is interesting because although polymorphic light eruption is so common there is not a polymorphic light eruption patient support group you know there are a few patient support groups for some of the other rarer light sensitivity diseases, yeah. but paradoxically not for this. So, you know, we're keen to support all our patients and families as best we can. And we're now doing these twice yearly newsletters and we're doing yeah. twice yearly virtual patient engagement events. And we'll hopefully also do some inpatient ones. These podcasts are you know, a big part of what we're trying to do to raise awareness as well. Yeah. But it is, it's talking to, like you say, other mums or other parents who've got children. How do you manage with your child at nursery? How yeah. do you manage when your child comes even home? Aria don't want to, to meet somebody who, even yeah. though it is quite common, Aria doesn't know anyone who is having to wear it all the time, having to wear hats. So yeah. even if Aria got the chance to meet another child. Yeah, exactly. Um, just exactly. even be like, oh, I get that too. Yeah, exactly. Yes. I mean, we would love it. You know, obviously, patient support groups tend to mm -hmm. obviously have a lot of patients involved in doing that so we're, we're keen to try and foster and support you as patients and families to come together and talk about well this. hopefully this will be a start yeah exactly they might trigger exactly. off some conversations exactly, and get exactly. that started yeah. yeah the other thing is so does she take vitamin d supplements or anything no she mm -hmm. was never mm -hmm. never i had asked about that but i don't mm -hmm. can't remember what it was but i was never told to give her that mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so mm -hmm. i just but if you're being very careful about sun protection mm -hmm. it may be worth so she's obviously very young, so she hasn't had bloods and things done. No, never. Often in older patients coming, we will mm. do a blood test and check vitamin D levels. But because she's young, we, what we don't want to do is, you don't want to medicalise, you know, at mm -hmm. tiny age, you know, give people, you know, children yeah. a sort of thing about blood tests and things. But it might be worth, you can get these, you know, even mm. the multivitamins in sort of pastels and... Can you just give them even if yeah. she's not like... Yeah, I would, I probably of. would suggest a children's multivitamin on a daily basis the bassett's sort of black currant yeah. pastels mm -hmm. and things like that she's had them before yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but just to take it year round so vitamin d is a vitamin that is very hard to get through the diet unless you eat a lot of oily fish and things which you know exactly as a five-year-old won't <laughs> no and actually the main way any of us get vitamin d is through the sunlight on the mm. skin and in particular the UVB, so really the sunburny bit of the sun. Yeah. So if you live in Scotland, even if you don't have a light sensitivity mm -hmm. condition, about half of us will be a bit low on vitamin D anyway. 
So if you live in Scotland and you're quite carefully sun avoiding, your risk of that is greater. Vitamin D deficiency has been slightly controversially linked to lots and lots and lots of different diseases. The only one that is absolutely clear cut is that we do need vitamin D for our bones. So it's a bit unclear as to how true they're linked mm-hmm. with, with a lot of other conditions. Yeah. But certainly for good bone health, we need good vitamin D levels. So That's it's probably worth doing that and to take yeah. it year round, not just in the summer. Yeah. And then when she's a bit older, you know, we can probably check her levels, but She's not going to come to any harm, and it may help by taking a week. Yeah, it's not harm in it. Yeah. Well, that's been really useful. Mm-hmm. Hopefully, lots of useful things to you. Yeah, and it's been yeah. hugely useful, I think, to us to hear your story. And yeah, uh, no, definitely. I mean, there's probably things that I've missed out, but I think what comes across for me very much as well is you do very much highlight how we need to try and help support in this situation yeah. because there probably is a little bit of a sort of isolating feeling as well isn't there when you suddenly think oh gosh you're the only things and like i loved coming to the zoom like, yes i loved yeah. that the yeah. fact i could speak to other people who yeah. suffer from it even though it isn't exactly like areas and maybe yeah, not the same exactly. symptoms but exactly. the fact that it's along those lines like that yeah. helped massively yes yeah so even them just saying like oh she'll be okay like yeah absolutely just yeah. little things like that yeah. that was just yeah and so we're gonna definitely carry on doing those at least twice yeah. a year and things and or even anybody starting out mm-hmm. in the beginning of the journey and hearing this podcast or mm-hmm. it's mm-hmm. good for mm-hmm. them because i do remember going online and researching everything and i couldn't find much online mm-hmm. just sort of doing my own investigation of it but mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. somebody could stumble across this you never know and yeah absolutely well i think one of the things as well is when we did our first engagement event, there were a few things that came to our attention. And one of the things was that actually patients or, you know, parents and children, if it's children, can often wait a really long time to get referred up to dermatology or to photobiology for investigation. And that's for very understandable reasons, really, I think, because often you'll go to your GP or you'll speak to the school nurse or something like that and it'll be about symptoms that there may be nothing to see at the time. It might be wintertime, there might be no problem. And some of the light sensitive conditions are not particularly common and with some of our rarer light sensitivity Mm. conditions, the average dermatologist, never mind the average GP, might never see some of these Mm -hmm. light sensitivity conditions. So there can often be quite a lag to getting referred up. So that's one of the things that we I do take a lot of pictures yeah. of Aria every time it happened. Yeah. I've still got them yeah. there. But yeah. the other thing as well is that it's not just so much the rash she suffers from as well, is that she gets very tired. Does she? Yes. During yes. these episodes, is it? Yeah. Mm-hmm. She gets really lethargic and grumpy and that's usually before the rash appears. Mm-hmm. So I don't know if it's, if it's just a fluke or if mm-hmm. it is a sort of side effect of it. But she's always very lethargic and so f- until relatively recently we've always thought polymorphic light eruption for sure was a sort of a skin man problem and the vast majority of patients probably don't have other symptoms other than their skin yeah. rash and it being itchy and okay yeah. they may not sleep very well because it's itchy and it keeps them awake but and there's one very rare light sensitivity condition which aria doesn't have called solar to carrier which we do know Patients can feel sort of fatigue and a bit headachey, but just generally unwell mm. when they have these episodes. But actually, one of the things, again, that came out of the engagement events has been that for some of the other light sensitivities, when you actually ask those questions, people do say, mm-hmm. actually, I do feel real fatigue. 
or I get a headache. And I think we're not, I'm saying we, I think as skin doctors in general, we've probably not been asking those questions enough. And it's something that is now on our radar. Because the other thing we have done is we've put together a red flag card, which is not just for primary care and other dermatologists, but also for patients and families and things put together in a cartoon sort of diagrammatic way, just a wee poster really to highlight the things to look out for with light sensitivity. And on that, actually, we've added in at the request from our patient feedback group yes. to say, think also about asking about things like headache or generally just feeling... Oh, yeah, just feel a bit like yeah. run down. That's yeah. kind of the way yeah. to describe her is that she'll feel run down. Yes, yeah, so I think it is a real thing. There is virtually nothing published about it in the medical yeah. literature I think talk. I just noticed because but, I noticed a change in her yeah. sort of mm-hmm. not behaviour because she's not obviously mm-hmm. being bad or anything but I just noticed the difference between when it's a cloudy dark dull day and she's not going to get the rash she's not been in the sun at all like I do notice a difference obviously I'm not sure if that is entirely anything to do with it but it's just things that I've picked up on and can she be caught out on a cloudy day or I've noticed it depends on the UV and um, the temperature that day so like some cloudy days, like today, she'll be okay. She's got sun cream on, but she'll probably only have it on once and she'll be out. Mm-hmm. But then she'll be back inside doing whatever in the classroom. And but how is she in the car? She's fine, yeah. She's not fine. all right with the light through the windows. Yeah, no, she's got yeah. the thing up on mm-hmm. the windows yeah. and stuff. She seems okay so far. And does clothing stop her getting it? Yeah, yeah. stops. Yeah, yeah. yeah, stops her getting it. It's mainly just the face. She never gets on her hands. Mm-hmm. Her hands are always fine. Well, that's me because she's a bit hard to see on her hands. Yeah, it's yeah. always, here is the worst bit where it starts. It's like, her cheeks, yeah. Yeah, it's like the school has posted a picture of the other thing that they have that you can go on and look. And I'd seen it on her face mm-hmm. straight away. And I was like, oh, she needs sun cream on. I could see it sort of mm-hmm. starting to come up. But I think they obviously did put it on her because yeah. she was fine. It didn't. Yeah. And does the sunscreen help, do you think? Yeah, 100%. Uh-huh. I think yeah. for this year, she's not had touch wood, no yeah. rash, nothing. She's been okay. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, the likelihood is as she gets older, she won't get affected on the face. Yeah. We do see that much, much more in the wee ones, the under 10s, really, on the face. And as you get older with it, it tends It'll be to be more than... It'll be well, won't it? So yeah. harder than yeah. the skin. Because yeah. I do, even though I limit her, like I'm not like, oh, we can only go out in the morning and that's it. Mm-hmm. No, I'll let her out and then we'll have a break for a wee while and then we'll go back out, have a break. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't just let her out <laughs> yeah. once a day. Yeah, yeah. We kind of just, yeah. every day is different. It just yeah. depends, so... The typical way, say, in an adult, this might present would be someone maybe going on holiday abroad and maybe on day two or three, mm. they'll develop this prickly, spotty, itchy rash, yeah. but usually on bits that they've exposed for the first time that year, you know, so they might get it on their I am nervous about taking abroad. Yeah. It's not something I think I can do yet with her. I don't know because I don't want to risk it. Mm-hmm. Even though she's got all the things in place to sort of prevent it, but I've never been abroad myself yet, so I don't know what it's like to go. But at the same time, I'm like, I don't want to take her anywhere hot because it might trigger her and then that would be her sort of stuck in for the holiday. So that's another thing that I've thought about, whether or not to do that. And So if, if and when, when you do go abroad, or indeed for summers here, if you get caught out, we'll usually say as well, have a steroid cream or something. Have you tried anything like that? She used to get that before, yeah. yeah. When it was really bad, she would get given that from the doctor. And then as soon as you get any hint of rash beginning, Mm -hmm. to put that on twice a day for a few days to try and damp it. Oh, so that's your fallback as a... She used to get pitted in a lot. But that was before she was diagnosed, because obviously that's the main thing, given if she's itchy or there's Mm -hmm. a rash, it's Mm -hmm. pitted in. So the antihistamines will help her with the symptom of the itch. Yeah. 
they actually will not probably do anything to preventing the rash come on because we know that histamine's involved in this condition, but it doesn't play a big part. So it would probably help with the symptoms. Yeah, I think it's more just sort of keeping her protected to sort of prevent her from getting to the point of the rash and stuff, mm -hmm. which is so far we're doing okay, I think. I've managed to get everything in place to sort of, I guess, make it like so it is normal. Yes. Like we're not having to be like, I'm not having to be like, oh, we can't go today because yes, it's, exactly, yes. it's just, 23 outside. We can't yeah, go. no, don't stop her doing anything. And have you or anyone in your family got it? Had prickly heat? Because yeah. I'm saying prickly heat. I should just say that. I was most, going to ask because yes. I've heard that term. Yeah, yeah, most people come and they say, I think I I've hate, got prickly heat. I hate the sun. The sun hurts my skin. Mm -hmm. I don't know if it's if I've had it when I was a child or what, mm -hmm. but I'm very frankly moly and everything like that. Mm -hmm. I don't know if that's anything to do with it, but if it's hot outside, I'm covered. It stings. Do you get a rash? No, but I was very rashy as a child, mm -hmm. but they didn't know what was mm -hmm. causing it back then. Mm -hmm. So I don't know if it could have been that. And my mum also suffers from a lot of prickly heat and stuff mm -hmm. like that. And what so does she mean by prickly heat? Just like the rash. It doesn't look like Aries though. Yes, um, but that's why it's called polymorphic because mm. that means many different forms yeah so it can present oh, in a variety of different ways but the prickly heat is an interesting one because most people with this polymorphic light eruption or PLE, as we say come and say i've got prickly heat but actually so there is a condition called prickly heat mm. but that's where you get a rash with heat in foldy bits so in the armpits or the yeah. groins or under the breasts or in foldy up bits that get overheated. Like if somebody comes and says, I get a rash here and they're pointed to the front of their chest, mm -hmm. or I get a rash here and they're pointing to their outer arms, that's not prickly heat. That would be polymorphic light eruption or PLE. Right. So the vast majority of people with prickly heat don't have prickly heat, they have PLE. So it I sounds to me like your mum has PLE. Yeah, well, once Ari was diagnosed, my mum does think that she had it. <laughs> but with me, I don't know, I'm always, I don't like the sun, I don't yeah. know. But I never get rashes, but then I'm never exposed to you it. See, you could well have it as well, but just not have tested yeah, so, yourself out. Yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah. I don't know. I yeah. did remember reading it can be hereditary, but I don't think it's very... It's not strongly hereditary, yeah. but if you're parent has it then you're more likely to have it but it's not a strong hereditary link. yeah i don't know back then when i was younger when they did all tests and stuff on me because i was in and out of hospital i don't know yeah just they, they couldn't find out what it was i think they thought it was meningitis to start with mm -hmm. um but obviously they found out it wasn't that and still to this day they, they wouldn't be able to tell me or tell my mum back then what was causing this well, i mean for all we know it could have been this and we just back then we didn't realize cause that's what 29 years ago yeah. so yeah. a long time ago so i don't know but I don't like the sun myself. I'm always yeah. avoiding it. And, yeah. I bet that is. I bet that is. Probably. <laughs> I, I have thought that, that I have had it, especially now where it's hurting my skin. Like, mm. I don't tan or anything. And I think when it was 29 the other week, mm. I couldn't go outside. I was like, no, that's yeah. that's stinging my skin. I'm not. So I don't know if it's just because I purposely avoid the sun that I maybe yeah. don't get the yeah, rashes yeah. and stuff. Yeah. Um, so you see, for you think of yourself as normal your mum will think of herself as normal yeah, that's so true. that's the way to go with Harry. <laughs> yeah that's you know true, yeah so, that's a good yeah. way to yeah no it is yeah. 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 yeah if we do have it we don't even realize what happened <laughs> <laughs> the other thing is sunbeds we find that's often a way that people will find out they have this mm. condition they'll go and they'll use a sunbed which of course sunbeds are mainly uva they are fantastic at triggering ple i don't use um, them i'm too yeah. cautious with my yeah. skin yeah. so and we sometimes also see it present for the first time in people who come up to dermatology to get UVB light treatment for things like eczema or psoriasis. 
and they'll start their treatment and they'll suddenly get a rash provoked by the light treatment and that's the first time they realise that they're also part of that 20% of people who have it. Well, I've learned so much. Shannon, thank you so much for yes, taking the so time. And Sally, thank you. thank you for coming in. And to our listeners, I hope you've enjoyed the podcast. And if you'd like to learn more about them, there are other podcasts that you can access. There's also a wealth of information on the NHS Photobiology website. And these details can be found linked to this podcast that we've done today. So a huge thank you, Shannon. Thank you. Thank you so much.